Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Four hellos. <laughs> <laughs> Two different energies going on here, but I'm living for Grace O'Neill's, who has had a nice, long, lit Wednesday lunch and yep. is now reaping the benefits of being wine drunk. Which So we have to get this episode out of the way before you start getting your hangover. I was just at a lunch with mutual friends slash fans of Izzy's slash fans of the pods, but um, Rise, who's an amazing sustainability brand, and Lucianne Tonti, who's just released this amazing book, which we would like to both plug, which is called... We've talked about it on the podcast before. Oh my God, I just dropped it. (laughs) (laughs) It's called Sundressed, but we talked about it um, when we were talking about fast fashion, when we were doing that huge Love Island episode. And I said that Lucianne had released this amazing book all about regenerative farming, which is going to be this incredible new way of like clothing truly being sustainable. Um, And it's kind of already measures are being put in place all around the world to for regenerative regenerative farming to work but at the moment it's like not completely there but her book is so interesting all about it she went on a podcast with two british girlies who had her on as a guest and then kept being like yeah we care about the planet but we also just love pretty little thing and we can't stop buying it all <laughs> remember what? yeah and yes. she was just like mm-hmm okay yeah it was it was very um inspiring to be in a group of people that are so across and passionate about like the cutting edge of of sustainable fashion it made me feel like I'm not doing enough even though 
I think it's like easy to get into your brain that like you don't buy fast fashion and you're kind of a different kind of consumer to the fast fashion people, but it's not necessarily true um, that you're doing enough. Yeah, Rise is amazing. So they launched in Australia, I think in 2020, and basically they're like a content-led brand which works with like only so on the website essentially they just have brands that meet their sustainability like climate credentials so they they've carved out like the most amazing cool um sustainable brands and made like a curated edit of it on the website so it's like really great to shop on because you all like you know how there's just so much greenwashing everywhere Mm -hmm. You just have no idea whether you're actually buying a brand that's sustainable or they'll say they're sustainable in one way, but they like treat their factory workers like complete shit or, you know, they just whatever. There's like so many different things for consumers to try and like sift through that you can end up feeling overwhelmed, which is like exactly what they want with all this greenwashing. So Rise is this amazing platform because you can go there and know that you're actually truly spending your money in a way that's going to help the planet, which I think is like a really interesting and kind of groundbreaking way to look at the climate crisis it's just like looking at it as like an economic problem but also an economic solution because we're obviously still going to buy clothes and there's no point making us feel bad about it because then we're just going to feel bad about it but we're still going to sneakily do it you know exactly yeah I think that's so true and I think it's I've always felt like there's this disconnect between like either taking the kind of vintage designer route where you try to do your best in a corrupt system or the alternative is like unseemly linens (laughs) that make you sad and it's like this whole the whole (laughs) perspective of this brand is like very chic beautifully designed beautiful clothing that's like yeah timeless trendless but very good quality and also all the things that you just said so it's just really nice but I also drank too much wine because it was very (laughs) generous lunch and I've been having some thoughts on the train I want to hear your thoughts (laughs) go on spill which is basically like you know in life how you have like a personality that's your day-to-day personality and then you have a drunk personality and it's kind of your day-to-day personality but with less inhibitions but there's a very thin line between that being fun and charming and like very aggravating Mm -hmm. and I was just wondering if like that (laughs) like if you think get that serves like a purpose or if it's just bad like I think I go into the space sometimes of being like I think drinking is mainly just not great but then sometimes when I drink and I'm feeling jolly I'm like it's nice to feel like this sometimes and I feel like it's it's good for me as a person to have this release I definitely think it serves a purpose and I can see why people become alcoholics yeah because I think for me this happened to me honestly two nights ago right so my boyfriend was here visiting from London and long distance is is a doozy Mm -hmm. everyone even for two Mm -hmm. independent people who already traveled a lot um and I I mean this isn't even really to do with long distance it's just to do with my personality but my personality I get really wound up and kind of stressy And then I can take that out on the people closest to me, which isn't obviously fun. If I'm out of my routine, which I know is like a bit of ADD stuff, I'll kind of like freak out and get all, get all wound up. And then we went out for dinner on Sunday night and I had a spelliato and then some wine and was just like, 
Good Prosecco. And the waitress said that. The waitress literally said that. And I missed it because I was so wound up. Then I go, can I get a spelliato? And she goes, mmm, with Prosecco in it. And I go, yep. And then she walked off and I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you missed this hilarious moment. Um, yeah. Anyway, drink that down. Get some natural wine in me. And I'm giggling and happy and carefree and so fun to be around. And I literally said out loud to my boyfriend, I just need to be like this drunk all the time. Mm-hmm. this level of drunk all the time because you just you're yeah you're, you're not worried about anything it's it's hard because I think I feel more I feel more like socially charming obviously when I have a drink but then I'm also like that's very much my experience of myself like it's not necessarily everyone else's experience of me and there's like a reason day to day that you rein in like loudly telling stories of your childhood trauma to strangers because it's like not necessarily a great way to exist but I guess it's that question of like if it feels good to you sometimes is it good does it matter people's experience of it people do like it I think no exactly people like it and also they're also lit so they're Mm -hmm. also having fun yeah it's and yeah I don't know I think that there's something to say about being that drunk and just being having fun. And also it's such a, it shouldn't be, but it is such a bonding experience with people. Like I've said a bunch of times about this new, so I've been, I have friends, I have really good friends here. And then one of my best friends here has a huge group of girlfriends who I've like been hanging out with and whatever, doing activities with and et cetera. And then I was just like the other day, God, I just need a night where all of us get completely litty-titty off our faces, dancing on tables, being silly, laughing, like the shit you would do when you were younger that it's kind Mm -hmm. of harder to do now. And I think that that really plays into the fact that it's harder to make friends as an adult because you're not, Mm -hmm. these moments are bonding moments because you're all getting silly and, and yeah, you become funnier and people kind of understand your personality more. I think if people meet me like completely dead sober all the time, they'd, they'd just be like, there's that kind of nice girl. Yeah, like nondescript woman that like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And also I think on this topic, I was thinking about the same thing recently where I was like, it's just so, I always think about like the best time of my life in terms of what I think back on. I'm like, that's when I had fun in my youth was when there was this club um, night in Sydney called Propaganda at World Bar and they played like 80s and 90s bangers so it was like I don't know the Smiths and the Arctic Monkeys and like Franz Ferdinand and whatever just music you wanted to hear when you were that age but like every single Kate Bush like every single song after the other you just stayed on the dance floor from like midnight till 6 a.m and I just think all the time about how I still want to do that now at my age like I haven't grown out of that what I've grown out of is like what I associate clubbing with which is like horrible EDM David Getta bangers and like 18 year olds you know what I mean and I'm like there's not really outlets anymore I don't know if clubbing has changed or if this is just the way it works but they're exactly like what you're talking about that thing of like just dancing until the early hours of the morning and drinking a bit too much and being hungover there's like not that many outlets for it anymore Mm. in the way that I feel like I would like to you know like where plays where plays the music that we actually want to listen and dance to I know. I feel like, obviously, the Portuguese football club. 
There is one place in the whole world. <laughs> My favourite place in London, which is this literal Portuguese football club filled with only Portuguese families and me and my friends when I force everyone there on occasions such as my birthday. And we dance to this man who sings live every single song and he's there every night they're open singing the same songs. But he does not want to let anyone steal his limelight because I tried to get on the stage once and he pushed me off. He physically pushed me off. <laughs> this old Portuguese man. I was trying to get up and sing like um, Summer of 69 or like Purple Rain or something. And he was pushing me off the stage. That's where the fun happens. Like that was when my friend, two of my friends at my birthday, the two like single hotties were hooking up passionately to Purple Rain on the dance floor as the like disco lights circled and these Portuguese families ate their chicken. It's yeah, like such a, such a powerful and beautiful image, <laughs> a cinematic <laughs> image. <laughs> but it's true it's like where can you do that like I even think about I was thinking on the way back because I was listening to Wuthering Heights because I was like a bit lit on the train and I was thinking about my like impromptu 27th birthday which was literally the four of us but just like blasting the songs we wanted on YouTube and smoking inside I'm like that that kind of culture is like dead but I don't know how to restore I've it. always felt like I don't know if it's dead more so than it's like we've moved to brand new countries and don't know how to access it that's how I felt in London that's why I hated London because I was like I feel like I'm here and there is stuff going on that I would find fun but I don't know where it is and so I hate it here because I would just be like sitting at home being like there is fun stuff happening and I don't know where to find it and yeah therefore I felt really lonely there and, and like hated it whereas here it's like I don't know all of the shit going on obviously but there's more stuff happening that I know about and therefore I can like happily stay home I won't even go to it but I'm just like glad that I'm invited if I wanted to leave the house that's interesting I almost feel the opposite where I feel this is like a raw shark test or whatever of our personalities I feel like it's not happening because I don't even know in Australia where I would go for that you know what I mean because we don't live there anymore I reckon if we yeah. still lived there, there would be we would we would know. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe. This is but like a downside like for example, of my personality. Places like <laughs> Lalo and Goulburn Road, I feel, would mm-hmm. play really good music. You could dance all night too. Yeah, but if it's yeah, if it's bougie, right? Yeah. I just want. Just a bar, just a gross bar. Yeah. <laughs> With a jukebox. Um, yeah. <laughs> Getting older. Okay, so speaking of bougie <laughs> and also <Dancing>. old music <laughs> like that and dancing, I have stuck in my head Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous by Good Charlotte. Because of Sophia Ritchie's wedding. I'm so happy you sent me that video. It feels like a piece of performance art. So this is Sophia Ritchie's wedding, which we're going to dive into. Good Charlotte, which is I vaguely knew, but it was weird to see it starkly in front of my face, is her brother-in-law's band. Because Nicole Ritchie's married to Joel Madden from Good Charlotte. And um, they were playing Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous at a like actual castle at the Cote d'Azur in Antibes in France where they'd had their like million dollar wedding. (laughs) 
And I was just laughing, thinking about listening to Good Charlotte when we were like 12 and being like, yeah, they hate rich people. And now I'm like, they're, they're playing that song like as a joke to the richest people. I know. At a rich wedding. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Yeah, it was so iconic. So the video that um, has been making the rounds on TikTok is a, is a guest in the crowd filming Good Charlotte as they go into the chorus and on the stage beside them singing into the mic basically is Sophia Ritchie. And she's wearing her third custom Chanel gown. This one's a little mini dress and she's barefoot. She's taken off her Chanel shoes and she's moshing. And then the camera pans around to show Cameron Diaz dancing like crazy in the crowd, also filming. Um, And you also know that like Nicole Richie's obviously there, Lionel Richie, Paris Hilton. And yeah, I think what I found most endearing about that video was Sophia. Mm -hmm. Her dancing like that. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know what we'd expect from like a young I don't, I don't think Nicola Peltz danced like that at her wedding. Let me just say that much. I think this is like an interesting case study, Nicola Peltz versus Sophia Ritchie. And I want to say this as feminism. like feminism, no, like as unbitchy as possible. Cause I really don't, I really honestly don't mean it in a bitchy way, but I think that like in many ways, Sophia Ritchie's wedding is what Nicola Peltz Beckham's wedding was trying to be um, in the sense that like, Sophia Ritchie just has this proximity to fame naturally without trying. And so the wedding wasn't like a showing off of her proximity to fame because it's just a given, right? So like that video of her just casually, effortlessly, authentically just like vibing out and having fun and captured in this way feels feels nicer to witness than like the Peltz Beckham's wedding, which felt quite highly like manufactured. You know what? I, do you know what I mean? I think that's maybe the disconnect. Yes, for sure. But I do think it's interesting that these like young Hollywood kind of the word isn't starlets because they're both kind of people that have tried it careers in entertainment that haven't really taken off. But like the the fact that they're trying to have these like royal style wedding or like old money style weddings is quite interesting to me. Yeah, I find it super interesting because especially because Sophia, I think, hasn't been able to shake until this very moment the connotations <laughs> between her and the Kardashians, obviously from dating Scott Disick for so long, and then before that she dated Justin Bieber. Like she was like mm. and when she was dating Scott Disick, she lent so hard into the Kardashian look that mm. she became known as kind of like a thotty young girl. And so since she broke up with him and then started dating this like wealthy Jewish man named Elliot, what does he even do? He does. Oh, he's a music executive. Um, she still hasn't, and she's changed her style and kind of been dressing more like quiet luxury and mm-hmm. chic. Old she's money. Still old <laughs> money. She hasn't, no one's really paid that much attention to it. I don't think like everyone's just kind of been like, okay, whatever. And then I think this wedding Everything from, yeah, the way, everything from her dresses to, like, the entire thing was just this rebranding exercise for her in the eyes of the public in such a crazy way. Like, I genuinely thought I would not give two shits about this wedding. And at Mm. first, it passed me by, and I thought, I looked at her dresses and thought, they're pretty, but 
you know, not something that I would choose. So it wasn't that that captured my attention. And then she really got me with these little behind the scenes clips <laughs> of her personality, which I thought seemed really cute. And suddenly the whole internet's like obsessed with her. Very sweet. I think, yeah, I think, I think one thing I, I could be misreading this, but I think all the way through the Justin Bieber and then uh, Kardashian family narratives, I think you people knew she was Nicole Richie's sister, like intellectually, but it wasn't a huge part of her visual brand. Like they weren't photographed together all the time and hanging out all the time. And it was because Nicole Richie's obviously very private. I think that's a big part of the interest in the wedding is this very sweet thing of like seeing how close they are as sisters and Paris Hilton being there and like Lionel Richie walking her down the aisle. It just like puts together a lot of pieces of her life that you don't necessarily see day to day. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're suddenly just like, she has all of the, she has the entire formula to be one of the most prominent Nippo babies around one of the most prominent Nippo it girl babies around. And then hasn't been and I think that that has changed I also can't handle how fucking chic Nicole Richie is you know I just love her so much she's kind of like an interesting parallel in some ways to Sophia Richie where she had her like kind of thotty slightly messy Hollywood like all over the show era and then at some point made her switch to like chic polished fashion girl and like never went back and and you see the sense of like okay that's what Sophia Richie's about to do yeah precisely but it's interesting going into our it girls chat which we'll go into in a sec but like Nicole Richie wasn't mentioned in that but I feel like she's such a like archetypal naughty's it girl Mm. yeah that's so true yeah I loved her dress she wore what's the night before the wedding called again (laughs) rehearsal yeah, I loved the green dress she wore for the rehearsal dinner. And then I loved that Sophia Richie had her bridesmaids who didn't even stand up beside them. They had their parents standing beside them. She had her bridesmaids in black for the wedding, which I think is very chic. Yeah, love it. I liked the dresses. Yeah, I was going to say, what did you think of her dresses? I feel the same as you where they're just very beautiful, tasteful dresses i actually liked the second one the kind of sequin embellished one which i think was a top and a skirt the most oh yeah that was that was the rehearsal dinner yeah that was great i agree i think it's really beautiful and she looks stunning in it yeah yeah it was very like extremely classic in a really nice way yes her um reception dress is the little chanel mini dress which Super, super, super cute. She just looked like she had a lot of fun. Yeah, the vibes were good. The vibes were strong. That's I think that's the biggest point of difference with the Pelts Beckham wedding is the, the overall vibes through the pictures. Nicole actually got a glass of beer in her hand. I'm on a photo showing Sophia like strutting into her after party with all her bridesmaids behind her and Nicole's juggling her phone in one hand and holding like what looks to be a beer mug in the other with little flat sandals on. <laughs> I feel like chic. Nicole Richie would be the most iconic big sister. I feel like she's kind of the dream, the dream big sister. 
Do you know she's not Lana Ritchie's biological daughter? I do know this because for some fucking reason I read her memoir when I was like 13. (laughs) (laughs) That's iconic. Nicole Ritchie. What was it called? It was called like Diamonds Aren't Forever or something. The Truth About Diamonds, a novel. (laughs) Wow. And it was like a novelization of her life. I don't know why the fuck I bought that, but I loved it. I really loved Nicole Richie. I remember loving her more than Paris even. Yeah. She had like a bit more of the, she had like the sidekick personality energy. Yeah. I can't even remember. I can't remember specifically being that obsessed with either of them, but I loved The Simple Life, obviously. So I probably wasn't to some degree, but I can't, I can't, I, that's when my memory's blank. (laughs) And I remember her brand House of Harlow and my Oh yeah. For my 18th birthday, like one of my best friends at the time bought me a house of the ha- House of Harlow necklace with the sun and like the opal. And it was like a pendant. I swear I still have it somewhere. That's I so thought special. it was literally like winning the lottery. <laughs> I was like this is insane. <laughs> it's funny that that brand never took off because she has such good taste. You'd think she would have created like a um, equivalent to the row or something. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking of it girl, stylish it girl creative brands, did you know Alexa Chung has shut down her label? I didn't know that. I'm not 100% surprised. Yeah. But I am interested in what, like, I'm interested in in the behind the scenes of that because that seemed like the kind of thing that should exactly work. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, she's very stylish. But I don't know, it's like, it's hard because a lot of the stuff that she was releasing with her label is just, but I don't know, I mean, same with the fucking row. (laughs) It's all just like classics. But there are a lot of brands that do that i think she was stuck in a bit of a she kind of painted herself into a corner in the sense of like i think everyone loves her style um in terms of the actual things that she's known for like the peter pan collars and the a-line skirts and the jumpsuits and denim and stuff like i think the people that want to emulate that directly and maybe a bit younger and are like the old school top shop audience in which case she kind of needed to do like a more affordable line but because she's also like a fashion girl she wanted to do something respectable that had like a show it 
London Fashion Week and like a factory in Italy and you know like good fabrics and be stocked on Netaporter and stuff so then the price I just remember looking at the pricing and finding it like confusing where like a, a, a pair of boots would be 500 pounds you know what I mean mm. and that's yeah. that's not that's actually pretty competitively priced but I'm just like for, for nearly a thousand dollars you're like okay I'll probably just splurge a bit more and get like acne or something mm. you know yeah it kind of needed to be that bit lower like replacing like rouge what Jean Demar does is so perfect that's probably what she should have done but I think because she's she's such a fashion girly she wanted to do something that was more yeah that's exactly right even just being that kind of cooler more curated reformation mm-hmm even calling it Alexa Chung, I feel like was a mistake. Yeah. Just have a third party brand of cool shit. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that I actually found out in the New York Magazine's It Girl series. I feel like it's hard because I want to talk about this, but I don't feel completely across it because they released like four trillion things at once. Mm-hmm. So I've read the big It Girl piece that that writer michael or someone matthew maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> some writer wrote and then i've read a couple of the spin-offs um like on Corey kennedy and the alexa chung one but there's so much <laughs> in there there's so many i haven't read the alexa chung one but i've read the it's Chloe seven new ones so we yeah the close everyone's short as well we can fill each other in. oh yeah i actually did read that one she wrote it herself right yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like an interview that they turned into a first person. I think what I found really interesting about this piece, so so New York Magazine did a piece on like the history of the It Girl. They do a yesteryear like retrospective issue every year. And this one was about historical It Girls. And they had like a bunch of covers with all the different It Girls. And it was very New York centric. Um but I guess what I found interesting was the way they broke down what all the it girls over time have in common and how being an it girl is really rooted in you have to be ambivalent about <laughs> whether or not you're an it girl and you have to not be that ambitious outwardly. I found that kind of interesting. Like mm. you have to appear to not give a fuck. The people who strategize and care and are ambitious and try can't be it girls. <laughs> Which is yeah, kind of for sure. Yeah, it's it's just it's also it kind of like especially with Corey Kennedy or whatever, who was like the OG indie sleaze girl. She was like fifteen years old on the streets of New York City dating the Cobra Snake, who was twenty, which is feral. <laughs> and he, she was like pilled up drunk all the time messy eyeliner everywhere messy hair super thin photos of her like on you know bending down on street corners or like sitting in gutters and stuff and I don't know it's really funny because she's speaking in this piece about how everyone was kind of glorifying this like pilled up drugged up teenager Mm -hmm. and at the same time, she like posts it on Instagram and everyone's just like, I don't know, everyone's like, oh, I was obsessed with you, like, la, la, la. And it's like, obviously, I don't know, it's just interesting to think back at like being obsessed with 
being super messed up, but I guess we all kind of aspire to like, I don't know, it like taps this thing in us where we're just like, how fucking fun would it be to just get lit all the time and not give a fuck seemingly on the outside. But then it's like, there's this person being like, that's not actually what was happening. And everyone's still like, mom. A hundred percent. It's funny because I watched Chow Manhattan recently, which is like an Edie Sedgwick movie, which I'd never seen before. And she did it. Um, So Edie Sedgwick was like one of Andy Warhol's factory girls. And she became one of the like main it girls of the sixties. And she was like rich, super rich kid, trust fund baby, um, insanely thin, like was in and out of like mental health facilities having anorexia and basically got like put on this huge pedestal by Andy Warhol and then dumped completely when she was like 24. And then she fell into drug addiction and died of a drug overdose at 28. And this movie Chow Manhattan is like, basically filming her in her later years and she actually died during filming and I was watching it I felt really like sick watching it because they're just filming her and she's obviously fucked she's obviously so not well she's like talking about stuff that's happened to her historically which is so disturbing and like you were just saying with Corey Kennedy I think like one of the really common themes through this it girl thing is this like unspoken tragedy or mental illness or like being doomed or destined for death like carolyn bessett kennedy everyone fucking talks about her and is obsessed with her style and it's like she died in this horrific horrendous plane crash and i feel like a lot of people don't even know that about her um edie cedric died of like had a horrible horrible life plagued by like abuse and drug addiction and and mental health crises and died at 28 like Corey Kennedy was basically saying I was 15 years old and like fucked and blacked out half the time and people are glorifying these images. And I'm not trying to turn the it girl thing into this serious problematic thing, but it's it's kind of interesting that as progressed as we are as a society, we still just love, it's such a retro idea. We still just love like thin, thin, young, doomed white women who are pretty. <laughs> Like, that's basically what this fucking article is about. I think the bit that, how you were pointing out what's their common theme, I think the bit that I found interesting or the kind of conversation as it is now is, like, people people try and call, like, for example, I think before I just said, like, Sophia Ritchie should be one of those it girls, but that's not an it girl in the truest sense because the it girls are, like, the more niche kind of girls, like the Corey Kennedys and the Chloe Sevignys of that time that was just like now I think with such overexposure of the internet there's been like all these pieces I think the face did a piece last year on what happened to the it girl or the fact that there can no longer be an it girl because we're so like everyone's just shoved in our faces and the and as you say like the whole thing about being an it girl is being kind of mysterious like people not really knowing what you do for a job because you don't really seem to work like you're always just around hanging out like flitting back and forth and I think they do still exist today but I think it's just like harder to find them yes and it's also like I think we romanticize the past so much and we like the things that we admire in it girls of the past we don't like now like the it girls of the past pretty much all of them except maybe Chloe Sevigny and Alexa Chung are like nepotism babies 
so hard. (laughs) That's always been a fucking thing. And nowadays you see the same. Like an Ella Emhoff, for example, is someone that I think of as maybe like a modern it girl. But I think there is a bit of an eye roll about her because she's like such an overt Nepo baby. Or like Lily Rose Depp is a bit different, but that, that kind of vibe, I think people don't care for it as much. And then someone to me like Julia Fox should be should be the it girl of this generation, but she doesn't feel like an it girl because she's so overt about doing everything she can to like monetize on her fame, which is the opposite of the it girl <laughs> energy. Yeah. I feel like a, a, a good example of, of it is like Devin Ross and mm. how she dates Earl Cave, <laughs> Nick Cave's um, mm-hmm. son. And, like, how they just moved to London and kind of schlep about there and have been featured in shoots. But then it's funny because it, like, I guess their style is just very of that time. But it kind of looks like you're, like, cosplaying in a way. Yes. A hundred percent. And she's, like, a Nepo baby as well, right? She's, like, Lenny Kravitz's guitarist daughter, which I guess is kind of a stretch. Um. Yeah, that's a fun, that's really funny. Actually, you say that because that's such a thing too. A common theme across it girls is like rich people cosplaying as poor people. Mm. Exactly, <laughs> that's like the reason they can be at the clubs every night. Like Iris Law is a great example of that. Yes, <laughs> Iris Law always at the vintage shops, taking every cheap thing that the girlies who actually need to need it and wearing like grills. I don't know. I struggle. I struggle with Iris. Yeah, me too. (laughs) This is interesting, actually, a little history. I was really fascinated by this. The history of the word it to describe it girls comes from this Clara Bow movie from the 30s, which was literally called It. And Clara Bow played a shop assistant at a like retail store and the wealthy store's son's owner's son falls in love with her and like it's a silent movie and the title cards say she just has it (laughs) and she became known as the it girl because she was in a movie called it and was the girl from it and the it girl referred to her for so long and then went totally out of conversation in any way for like 50 years and then reared its head again in the 90s even though there was the equivalent of it girls in the 60s 70s and 80s find that shit's so interesting yeah i also think that if you were called an it girl for example like obviously alexa chung and chloe seven you have forever just been like just kind of hated the phrase and i think both of them were just trying to not really saying that in this piece but they've kind of pushed away from it for so long because it would be really frustrating if you were if you had an actual job like alexa chung worked as like a broadcaster or a journalist or whatever and Chloe Seven was an actress and people were just saying you're an it girl because that does imply that you don't really do anything or you don't mm-hmm. have any talent. And mm-hmm. it's funny it's funny being older and being able to kind of just lean into it a bit more because you're less worried about impressing people or proving that you have talent and proving that you deserve to be taken seriously. But with Chloe's one, it was so interesting because she just talked about how that piece that was written about her after she 
she was just such a like New York sceney kid that every that was around everywhere that was like shot for magazine covers just by like someone from Interview Magazine seeing her on the street at the skate park. And then she was um, in Kids as the lead character. And then who was it? Like New York Magazine did a feature on her. Yeah, she was only like 19. (laughs) And she said that that piece kind of like in a way ruined her career because they just framed her as being this such specific it person that then she felt like Hollywood didn't really know what to do with her. Yeah. I, I, that's so interesting. And like, it's so Chloe seven is such an interesting one because I think on purpose, you never know how, how much of it is performed and how much of it is authentic. Like it's very obvious that she has a natural, a naturally great sense of style and she has a naturally great taste and like naturally, you know, has alignment with certain artists and chooses great roles. But I think there's this interesting relationship she has with like rubbing against the label while also obviously kind of like loving it (laughs) in many ways. You know what I mean? I think, I think that question of like how much of this thing is just totally incidental and accidental and how much is manufactured and performed is really interesting because I do think you can't, I think it's so true that you can't create it. Like it's just organically there or it isn't like, that is the whole idea of it. Like it factor doesn't matter how hard you try. Some people try so hard forever and they just can't do it. And then other people don't try at all and you just can't get enough of them. Um, Yeah. But the fact that this New York magazine piece talks a lot about the fact that people that have stayed in the zeitgeist as it girls for a long time have a structure behind them, have a publicist team, a strategic about where they get placed, a strategic about what events they go to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. It's like, obviously she's still relevant because she's choosing to do very specific things like where she shows up and, what she endorses and who she works with and everything like that. I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if she, she was talking about how she turned down all these kind of major Mm. Hollywood roles at the time, because she didn't want to be mainstream and wanted to keep that kind of indie allure about her. Um, But I think she did everything obviously right. She's taken so seriously, even though she hasn't starred in all that much. She's so famous. (laughs) She's like the ultimate. And they called it the it girl to end all it girls, which just feels correct. Yes. I think something that I really liked that the piece pulled out, I I feel like maybe this is me being like a knee jerk, a millennial snowflake. But I was like, why is this article written by man? (laughs) I was like, it girls are for girls. Like it literally bothered me in this way that like I normally don't think too hard about this stuff. But um. He did it. Obviously, the article did a great job in terms of like investigating it. But I just, I think a point the article made ironically was just that the biggest thing about It Girls is that it sounds like a kind of sexist, reductive title, like, oh, you're an It Girl, but it doesn't feel like it in real life because it's so much, it's for women. Like, the, the, 
the it girl gaze is the feminine gaze and the people who are interested in it are women and like gay men basically but the way it girls dress the roles they play the media they want to get picked for the people they want to be you know what i mean none of it is about sexiness um beauty in that traditional way whatever obviously they're beautiful and fit like certain very narrow beauty standards but i think there is something about it girls being for the girls that is a yeah big part of they're this. all different looking they're not all like mm-hmm. that conventionally beautiful like model type look yes that's why m rider can't be an it girl yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I was interested in that because I was like, M. Ryder and Julia Fox, to me, on paper, should be the version of this for this generation. But they're just not. And M. Ryder's is very obviously because she overtly cares a lot about money and she cares a lot about pandering to the male gaze. And Julia Fox's is also because she cares about making money in a way that is – that's a very interesting part of this too. It's like the history of It Girls, most of them happened to be rich so they didn't have to care about money. But someone like a Chloe Sevigny, the reason she's like an enduring it girl and Alexa Chung to a certain extent is because they at least from the outside appear to not give a fuck about doing stuff to like just get more famous or just get more cash. Like they have a more elevated (laughs) sense of like what they'll do. I also think with the M. Ryder and Julia Fox thing, it's it's that – it's that thing of like they're just too overexposed. They're not mysterious enough. They mm-hmm. they have podcasts, they have book deals, they're on Instagram. They're like super in your face, and that just kind of it's like I think Julia Fox was an it girl in New York before she met Kanye, mm-hmm. and then she met Kanye, and that it girl status left, and now she's just like a full blown celebrity. I feel like you can't really that often have a crossover between someone being a full blown celebrity and being an it girl and that's mm-hmm. why chloe seven is so specific because she's like mm-hmm. a household name but she's like a household name for being an it girl so fucking true it's quite funny isn't it just how we would get obsessed with specific women growing up and it was just yeah i don't know who i who i have that for we had a anymore. bad era in the sense of like going through their list of the people from the generations there's always people i wasn't i wasn't to be totally honest like super across Corey kennedy like i I feel like i've seen her name retroactively applied but like i definitely wasn't like on her when i was younger i i like knew her because i was i was on myspace a bit but i wasn't like in i didn't i wasn't super into her but then my friend amber was like the epitome of like a Corey kennedy girl like she was just like she embodied her in every fucking way. Yeah, she was like the the her and like Kat Marnell were kind of the cooler side of that New York. Ick. We we just got like the biggest dud generation. We got like Olivia Palermo and Tinsley Mortimer, <laughs> and I like love Tinsley Mortimer, but yeah, when the she's... fucking internet happened and we were, yeah. and it was all that influencer culture taking off, we got the and we got the tail end of the whole thing. And that's who Gossip Girl's based on, right? Like, the, they just had the worst style. I'm like, everyone else through the 70s, 80s, like, everyone had universally good style. And, like, the noughties, I know everyone looks at the era 20 years ago as being the worst era, but, like, fuck, that 
those big chunky necklaces and like bangles and <laughs> ugly dresses. <laughs> it was the worst. I know. We're not going to look back at Olivia Palermo in like 10 years and be like, actually, she was so chic. <laughs> you know, Jare. Sienna, I guess. Sienna and, Sienna and Kate kind of like, Sienna Miller's an it girl, but Kate, Kate Moss transcends being an it girl. That's what I mean about this as being very New York. I'm trying to. Yeah. Throw the net out wider. Yeah. And again, like Sienna Miller is an it girl in fashion circles, I think. But then would way prefer to obviously be thought of as an actress. I think nowadays the it girl would be like Emma Chamberlain and Devon as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the it girls. As kind of like mainstream it girls. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're like Bella Hadid's in a, in the way of, I guess I guess Bella Hadid is is because people are so fucking obsessed with her, and she does retain mystery in this strange way, even though she's very famous. She feels mm. mysterious and like unknowable in a nice way. Yeah, which is kind of weird because she is very forthcoming and like bubbly and friendly and stuff, but she just feels so different in her vibe than. Gigi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who went to Disneyland for her 28th birthday and had, like, three separate <laughs> Mickey Mouse outfits. She's so crazy. She literally, like, flew yeah, to Disney World gorgeous. and then wore Mickey Mouse ears. It was, like, bouncing around in top-to-toe pink. Like, she's just living her best, most authentic life. Yes. That's, that's, that's cooler <laughs> than being one of these <laughs> drugged-up pretending they don't care about money it girls i know it's so it's so true that's really funny that's cute yeah bella bella hadid has like a kind of like a darkness to her (laughs) that is very compelling i think to people yeah what is that I don't know. I don't know what it is. The brunette here. Yeah, she's been. I feel like she's been through some shit. You can like see something in her eyes that you don't see in Gigi, which is actually interesting because I feel like we'll talk about on the Patreon the, um, the goop the goop cruise Lauren Euler article. Yeah, um, I can't which wait. was fantastic. But she basically said something in that article which really struck a chord with me. But she was like, I think the thing with Gwyneth is that there's just not that much to her, like not that much bad shit's happened to her. And that energy just radiates from her in this very addictive way to people. And I was mm. like, I kind of get that. I almost feel like the Gigi Hadid, there's this this energy of like nothing that bad has ever really happened to her. And so she can wear Mickey Mouse ears and go to Disney, you know? And I feel like with Bella Hadid, I don't know what it is, but she's just got some sort of level of human experience that Gigi doesn't that people feel it could just yeah. be having depression I don't know what it is but I'm like there's there's just something there that feels deeper yeah exactly like Gwyneth was just like I don't suffer from anxiety and then Lauren yeah. was like that was the most profound thing she said <laughs> <laughs> and so it's true, true. Yeah. yeah she's just she's just like oh so, you know those people I find those people it would just be so cool to be one of them but just being like 
how they just look at everyone suffering from anxiety and depression and and just they're like it's not that bad Mm -hmm. and I'm like I would love to be that person I feel like I'm that person like maybe seven days out of a month yeah I think people forget like you said that there are people just like that like they just don't have mental health issues they've just had a a pretty pleasant life their whole life like they they haven't been immune from bad things happening but like they're normal things like a parent passing away or something and their outlook is just pretty positive and their day-to-day life is just pretty enjoyable (laughs) and they just wake up kind of happy I have friends like that who who can sympathize and really try and understand and be like a good friend in that sense but just who just genuinely have never felt anxiety or like and Mm -hmm. I had never felt anxiety till I was like 22 Mm. I was just or 23 I was just like I don't know (laughs) um but yeah I think yeah with Gwyneth it's she's she's like alluring for the for a different reason to to an it girl but that but that is equally powerful that's like what she's bottled up and turned into her personal brand I think that's as close as anyone's ever gotten to explaining it yeah it's very very astute um Okay, okay. We, anything else? No. Um, okay, let's wrap up and then, yeah, goop cruise it over to the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking goop cruises. We're talking what makes a heart throb. We're talking... Know. Who, who knows what else? More rubbish. Whatever. Whatever else comes into our tiny little brains. Bye. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 